Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. This is the Manchester Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. Coming up on today's show, we've got uh, the, the race with Liverpool and how's that going? FFP? And we've also got my favourite, the war chest, Pep Spending. Who should we go out and buy this summer? Enjoy, subscribe, you know what to do. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. Good evening, Manchester, and welcome to the Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. Uh, this is the show for the pride of Manchester, the only football team to come from Manchester, and that, of course, is Manchester City. And we're going to be talking about the Blues from six till seven. Uh, luckily for you lot, you won't just be listening to my dulcet tones. We have got three this week. Yes, three special guests in the uh, studio, starting with regular number one, was Mr. Walter Smith. Good evening, Walt. Good. Good evening, how are you? Alright mate, you okay? Ah, I feel like, uh, you know Titanic where he's stood at the front of this ship yeah. with his arms open. Which wide. am I, am I Kate Winslet? Or? You certainly are, awesome. wind blowing through our hair. Oh mate, you've got the hair for it though, I've <laughs> got to say. And of course uh, we have got Alex Hilton in the studio as well, good evening Alex. Hi there, Daddy, you feeling good? Good. Good, mate, yeah. And we've got a very special guest there, particularly as we, uh, we go through the show. One of, our, um, one of our subjects is going to be financial fair play and how it might affect City. So who else to bring in than the man, the master on this subject? We have got, uh, most people know him as possibly Press Switch Blue. If you're a blue out there, we have got Colin Savage in the studio. Good evening, Colin. Good evening. It's a bit of a come down, this, because I was talking to the Sunday Times just before. So, do you mean, you do know, you mean a come I, up? Come I, can do, I can do the common touch. <laughs> OK, well, uh, we're going to get Colin's thought, particularly in another section of the show. Uh, we're going to talk about FFP a little bit later. We're going to be talking about Pep's shopping list, who should be on the shopping list if F- FFP doesn't uh, kick us in the uh, you-know-what. Uh, but in the first section, we're going to speak about the running. I mean, obviously, nine games to go in the Premier League. Um, I can't believe how quick that's gone, boys. Can you? Nine games to go, that's it. Sit- if Well, City win all nine. City will be champions. Again. It's just... I love it, me. I love the fact that Klopp... I mean, we were all singing Klopp is cracking up. And he proves to be the case. He's having arguments with ball boys. You can imagine him having arguments at home, arguments on the way back to the tunnel, arguments with the traffic lights on the way to work. <laughs> he's proper cracking up. And what I love about it is he said this idea of he's not bothered about being behind. He sounds like, you know, the kid at school who tries to ask someone out and 
gets dumped. And he goes, well, yeah, that was me. Well, <laughs> well, I, I think he says I wasn't going to be surprised then oh, if he allows you the response, on it? It's very much the case if you all see it. I'm not bothered anyway, as the tears roll down his cheeks. <laughs> I, 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 sorry, I think it was a masterstroke of his to get the team to lose a few games and draw a few. Yeah. So they could be behind us at the beginning of March to put That's the it. pressure on. Pressure's off. Because otherwise, you know, the, the simple approach would have been to be seven points ahead, wouldn't it? But no, he's much cleverer than that. Yeah, another level, that guy. Alex, I mean, obviously, uh, the results at weekend, you know, absolutely went our way. I think we've been talking on this show pretty much for the last couple of weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, that it was a two-horse race, and now effectively it is a two-horse race. I think Tottenham are, are pretty much out of the equation. City and Liverpool, they've got quite similar fixtures in a lot of ways in the in the running, but how important was it, do you think, for City to get their noses in front oh, and, you know, and, and take that it's point It's now lead. back in our hands and um, without wanting to, to tempt fate, it, it, City's to lose, is it not now? Uh, it doesn't matter what Liverpool do as long as we win our games. That's a, that's a brilliant place to be in. And this weird sort of sort of mentality that's come out of Liverpool, the whole cult of Liverpool <laughs> FC, that somehow they're still in the better position a point behind. Apply that to any other sport. <laughs> Apply that to like like Formula One. You go, well, yeah, but out of the 60 laps, 55 laps in, you want to be in second place. You don't want to be out in front. You want to be in second place in the race. Imagine a boxing match. Well, in round 10, you yeah. want to be having a bit of a wobble. You, you want, want to be, be, yeah, you want to be down on eight scorecards. The, the only sport it applies to is maybe athletics when you've got distance running and you want to be just on the shoulder of the leader going into the last lap when you've done 25 laps. But that's about the only sport it applies to. All right, Colin, that sounds a bit too much like <laughs> content there. <but> yeah. <laughs> so, sorry to spoil the narrative, but, you know. <laughs> you know, it, it's this weird thing, and uh, the whole idea that um, you wouldn't want to be ahead in the race, I think it's, uh, no, well, it's, it's gobbledygook to me. I think City have done, uh, they've just sort of run their own race, they've kept quiet, they've, uh, they let, you know, we sort of wrote Liverpool off in January as it was, theirs, it was their title, and we've got on it, we've won our games, and we look strong going in. Uh, even when we've not performed at our best, such as the cup final, we've still ground out results, whereas... Liverpool, you know, the ship isn't sailing as as tightly as you want. It to, they don't look like a team that are going to win the championship, put it that way. No, I love that word, gobbledygook, because I was thinking of cloppedy-dook. He's <laughs> <laughs> just... I, I mean, without getting overconfident, I remember when we won it in 2012, the Aguero moment. I'm sure we all remember that. And uh, what I did was I went back to when we got beat against Arsenal and it was, United were eight points ahead. And I listened to the Man United podcasts on a long drive, and it was fantastic. God, they, you must have been desperate oh, for content. No, it was brilliant. It was one of the best <laughs> podcasts because they were celebrating, they were cheering. It was all over. That was it. You know, the fat lady had sang, and they were celebrating as they were. And just to go back and hear that and then know what happened. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, what I would say is one point ahead is fantastic, but. We've always just, you know, it's a long road still to go. You know, it's business end of the season, but it's still a long road to go. Yeah, I think you've got to look at that, Colin, aren't you, as well? You know, we've been in that scenario where we were written off six, you know, six games to go, eight points behind. It, it never, ever looked like we were going to win the league that season, but it just goes to show you in the Premier League how things can change. Now, a point gap with nine games to go, you know, it's not exactly an unassailable lead. However, however, you would say, 
you know, just I think from being in and around the club, being there on match days, the aura around City at the minute is yeah. just unbelievable. And it's led by Pep Guardiola. You know, you look at this guy, everything he says, everything he does, he, he just instills confidence, I think, in, in the players, but also the fans. But I'm not saying sitting here now, and we're going to get into this a bit later in terms of looking at the fixtures. I'm not going to say we're going to win all all nine, but you know what? Liverpool are going to have to get a big total, I think, to, to, to take us over this season. Uh, well, I think they are. And I think this is probably the difference between Pep and Klopp, as we were talking about before. Oh, we're having a bit of a laugh at Jürgen's expense before, him and his, him and his wind, when you're giving the weather forecast, you know. Um, <laughs> I did get but, windy but in Pep's, there as well, actually. Pep's yeah. had that experience, haven't he, of taking teams in on the running. And, and you just get the impression that Klopp just panics a bit. He hasn't got the right mindset to get them over the line in the same way that Pep has with us and, and, and Mancini had with us and But he has done it, Alex, hasn't he? You know, I mean we don't let's not forget Klopp was the manager of Dortmund and, and it was almost like a foregone conclusion season in season out that that Bayern Munich were gonna win the league and he upset the apple cart a little bit. Yeah. So he has been through that process of, of seeing Klopp. it out. This is Liverpool Klopp and Agreed. Liverpool yeah. have infected yeah. Jurgen Klopp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I really think this is that every football club has a mentality that's around it. And I think Liverpool um I, I'm not here to criticize slag Liverpool off for an hour but I think uh, we don't mind go ahead because Liverpool are a massive club and they've you know they've got a real history of winning stuff and there's that whole like culture and years and years and years of stuff and that, that's awesome but in recent history it's a club that, that's got used with accepting failure and accepting being nearly men and that, that this whole weird culture of excuses that Klopp has come out with this season is the fan base have accepted it and they've gone yeah that's a good point Jürgen yeah that's a good point Jürgen and they're asked more questions they're asked more questions no. of him in the same way that Dortmund fans did they go well, that wasn't good enough we want better we expect better we're going for a title race the way they're doing now with their manager because I don't know if you noticed but in the Bundesliga Dortmund are at risk of blowing blowing the lead over Bayern Munich um, you know the fans are getting stressed and they're talking about throwing the Champions League away because they expect better Liverpool fans aren't doing that of Jurgen Klopp they're not going we lost uh, we, we drew the derby and it feels like a loss and we've, we've lost our lead in the title race they're going well what, didn't Van Dijk play well didn't Van Dijk play well and it's like they're looking at the positives and I I appreciate a positive fan base, but they're not putting pressure on the manager. And Klopp is is letting himself into that kind of like that that B club mentality of it's okay to be nearly men because the fans and the club will let it go because didn't we do didn't we do well coming second? And that's the mentality of him. And this the whole sort of attitude of Jurgen Klopp in that interview when he was talking about it's not PlayStation it's not PlayStation look at Man City they had 900 shots and they only scored one should I bring an extra striker on who are you to question my mentality so it reminds me of Newcastle United Kevin Keegan I would love it if we beat them I'd love it if it wasn't windy I'd love it if Man City didn't have 900 I'd love it if it was PlayStation football that's who he sounds like and like, I think you're right Walter you know it, it does sound like he's cracking it does, it does sound it, like it, he's cracking it, it feels weird being a Manchester City fan that we're the big evil club that just cracking on with it Winning games comfortably, I say this now. Watch us lose at the weekend, but winning games comfortably, looking, looking really sort of just comfortable in the leads. And Liverpool are these sort of weird outsiders that don't really know how to handle title race. It feels weird being a big boys for a change. There was a lot of them on the forum, on the Liverpool forum, saying, "Oh, if, if you told me we were one point behind the leaders at this stage, of the, after twenty nine yeah. games, we'd be delighted." Yeah. And that, that's but it's about perspective, isn't it? You know, you look at, you know, beginning of the year, the, the nine, ten points, you know, in front of us. When you look at that scenario, it doesn't look quite the same, does it? No, you know, no, it's, no, a, it's a matter of how you view it and at what point you do it. I mean, the price of success, well, 
he's, he's obviously going to be more games. You know, when you look at Man City, not just the Premier League, you've got the Champions League. What's your take on that? Because, I mean, it was something that Jim talked about last night on the show um, with uh, Steve McInerney that, you know, is, is, do you think it's a positive to have more games when you've got a big squad? Keep that winning mentality going? Or are you in the camp of you'd like to get the lads off to Dubai for a week to till and, and rest between games? Because I think this is the first time since August that we've actually had a full week off um, where we haven't had a game in seven days, which is unbelievable. No, uh, if you want to be a big club, you've got to start winning games. And we've just, we've all just been to Wembley, haven't we? We've had a great day out. We've come back with silverware. And no one remembers somebody who finishes second, third, fourth, fifth place. They're interested in silverware. We got told for years and years that you, you've got no history because you've got no silverware. We're building history now. One of the inter most interesting perspectives for me was um, Sterling was talking about the pressure in 2014 and the pressure in 2018 and 2019 with this close run. And he said he used to get up in the morning and that's all you thought about was football, football. You'd be going... Go, you know, he'd be going out buying your Greggs or whatever he was uh, accused of buying, bad man. And, you know, he'd be there and the person behind the counter would be talking football, football. So there was no escape from it. And it almost it overcomes them. And I think that's one of the problems with the Liverpool fan bases. They're so desperate to win this Premier League. I mean, if we lost, we'd be gutted. But we shrug our shoulders and know we'd be in the title race next season. Uh, I mean, I always think of, you've got Klopp there. Remember the memes going round and you've got Brendan Rodgers on his shoulder and it's like, how am I doing, boss? <laughs> you know, yes, you might finish second again. And, you know, the pressure in 2014 and what Steven Gerrard was, I mean, he's, don't get me wrong, he's a fantastic player, but what he was doing at the time and getting everybody in a huddle and it was it was all or nothing, to quote the documentary. And that's what happened with them, and it just became too much. And City just sailed on by with a big cigar and a brandy lark, going three points, three <laughs> points. You know, you don't lose a 3-0 lead. At, uh, I was going to say Cristambul then, at Crystal <laughs> Palace. You know, you don't... If, if, unless you, the pressure is getting to you, and that's exactly what happened. Well, they went for goals that night, if you remember, because because of the goal difference. I think they they tried to plough more goals in that, that ultimately cost them the title because of you know the fact they got an equaliser. When you look at the fixtures, Alex, uh, I don't. I think you, you you've got the the fixtures in front of you I there. Have, have. Which concern you? Because I mean, obviously, we know nine straight wins. We're going to be Premier League champions. Um, Obviously, it's never as easy as that. You look at them games, I mean, obviously, Tottenham's still in there. Palace, who beat us at home, we've still got them in there. Burnley, never easy away. And then, of course, we've got to go to, to United and all that. So, which of them games kind of concern you when you look at it? Um, well, no, I, mean, I mean, it's a boring answer, but I think all of them. Because all of them are Premier League games. <laughs> all of them are Premier League games. Every team in Premier League can beat anybody else. It doesn't matter who they are. Even United. Even United. I've seen them win a game. I've seen it in my, <laughs> with my real eyes. No, but it's... Um, you know, all of them. Obviously, the derby, United will be dead up for it, regardless of whether the, I know there's United fans saying they'd rather City win the lead than Liverpool, but it will still be a derby on the day and they'll be desperate to beat us. Um, the, you know, they're playing really good stuff under Solskjaer. They look like a proper serious team. Um, but there's so many. You know, we've seen... We've seen Leicester come to the Etihad and beat us in recent years. We've seen Palace come to the Etihad and beat us in recent years. You know, we know uh, how recent tough these teams can be and how easy they can... Oh, the upcut. But the flip side is... Liverpool will also drop points as well. I, I, I don't think yeah. either team is going to go nine straight wins. Well, if you look at the fixture list, on the 14th of April, Liverpool are playing Chelsea at Anfield and City at Crystal Palace. Now, if you think back to 2014, Liverpool yeah, were playing yeah. Chelsea, Gerrard slipped, City then went to Crystal Palace <laughs> and won. 
I always love thinking about that slip. It's, I remember when I was seeing it, I was I jumped out of my chair like a spring chicken, be back went, and I came down like an old man. And I just wasn't bothered in the slightest because I think we were playing Wolves later that day. And uh, Crystal Palace. Palace, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah Palace, sorry. And yeah, a few beers sorted out the bad bat, but <laughs> one of my highlights of that season, Stevie G's slip. Suarez <laughs> cried. Come on, like, you got to no. finish the uh, the song off. You're going to start it, but yeah, I mean, it, it, but but I, I mean, just c- kind of touching back on that, that that fixture congestion. I mean, old Pochettino, uh, he he's kind of almost saying that the FA are not really helping English clubs, particularly when you look at the, the Champions League as well. But when you look at City's fixture pileup, where would say, for instance, they did what like like Ajax, you know, got an extra weekend off so they could prepare for the Barcelona game? Where would a, a City fixture fit in again I mean just with the amount that we've got coming you just can't see where I don't know how they could help us in this situation well yeah that was the weird thing isn't it because it's a weird thing for Pochettino to come out with because Spurs have thrown away all their cup games so yeah (laughs) you know it's one of the things it's part of the job of being a football manager is you have to manage players and you have to uh, rotate players and work out who's going to play in which matches and part of that is managing their fitness and managing their stamina and Tottenham haven't signed a player in two windows and he's now moaning that his players are tied and he's got enough off them. And it's like, well, do the mass potch. And don't get me wrong, I think I would like to see, um, as a Manchester City fan, I would like to see a winter break because I think it would help us or us play less games or they're more spaced out. But as a fan of football, I don't, I'm not a fan of Friday night football. I don't think that should be a thing. I quite enjoy that there was one night of the week where, despite that I love football, there was I don't have to worry about you know, I can make plans on a Friday and not worry about if Sky are going to move the fixtures around or whatever. And I don't want to see more games played at 10 in the morning to make it easier and that sort of stuff. I like that we play a lot of games of football. I like there's all sorts of stuff on. And I like the fact that clubs have managed with it. Liverpool managed it last year when they got to the Champions League final. They did all right, didn't they? They managed all the games that England played. They got to the Champions League final. They nearly won it. Man United got to the Champions League. Chelsea got to the Champions League in recent years. English clubs have done fine in Europe and it's a convenient excuse for managers to make. But really, get on with it. It's your job to manage a squad of players. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, did, did you ever see the All or Nothing documentary when uh, Pep was uh, coaching his players, to put it politely, about this idea of them feeling tired? You, it was just, uh, it was an outstanding and he, and he commented on it again in his press conference. You know, I don't think Pep... Colin, he's going to have that as an excuse from the players, is it? You know, it's easy for us guys to say, well, they're on 300 grand a week, they only have to play football, you know, I've got to get up at five in the morning, you've got to work. I get all that, but these, it's more about recovery, isn't it, yeah, to be yeah. in prime yeah. condition for the next game. But I don't, I don't think Pep is ever going to have that, I'm tired as an excuse. Well, it goes back to the point we were talking about before, about is it better to play a lot more games or better to have a break? And I think, you meant, when we're playing all these games, all the players are fired up, they're mentally tuned in. And, you know, you hear players say, don't you, I, I can't wait for the next game. I want to yeah. play. I want to play. And you go away to Dubai for 10 days and that kind of, you get out that rhythm, don't you? You lose the mentality. You're sat in the sun. Perhaps they should have gone Stoke on a Wednesday night instead of Dubai. Well, it could have, can you imagine the, uh, the the positive feelings? You've been in, uh, you know, Abu Dhabi or Dubai and then you land at John Lennon Airport and it's pouring down. You're looking out the window and you're freezing. You're getting all your coats on. All that positivity straight out the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You had me at land at Liverpool, to be fair. That was the, that Well, I was thinking of Liverpool landing there. They can land at Manchester Airport any time they want, and other airports are available. <laughs> well, I just think as well, let's be honest, if there was a winter break or they got rid of the League Cup and they started having seven-day gaps, we all know that Tottenham yeah. and every other Premier League club would be straight off to America to go and play in some sort of friendly against whoever Mickey and whatever. Mouse and stuff, you know? So, 
There's no breaks in football. You get paid a lot, a lot of money to, to play football. So Yeah, and there's no breaks in football, but there is a break now coming up. Um, so if you want to join us, uh, if you want to get involved, uh, I never I never even give this out. Shame on me. So give us a, drop us a text, 87711. Give us a call, 0345 After the break, we're going to be talking about FFP and should Man City be scared of it? Uh, and getting on the phone, uh, we've got Sam Lee, but also in the studio, Colin, uh, and we're going to pick his brain. So get involved. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. Hello and welcome back to the Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. I'm in the studio with wonderful Danny Jackson and Walter Smith and special guest today, Presswich Blue, Colin Savage. We are talking all things City. Uh, we're going to get stuck into financial fair play in just a second. If you're listening along live, do get in touch with the show. 87711 to text in 03457117625 if you want to get on the phone. And we're in spinning fields. Come round, bang on the window, shout through the letterbox. Get in touch anywhere you like. This show is about you. Now, financial fair play. There are all sorts of weird, scary headlines that have been popping up in every paper on every news website about Manchester City are going to get kicked out of Europe, we're going to get banned from signing players, we're going to have points deducted, we're going to have our stadium taken off us, who knows what is going on. Fortunately, we've got a man in the know, Colin Savage. Thanks for joining us. What's going on? Well, as you said, there's a lot of scary headlines, but that's what they are, scary. Um, and I don't mean that in the sense that they're serious scary. They're very sensationalised um, and designed to make us look bad. Now, there is a potential issue, a small potential issue, but you've got to remember a lot of this stuff dates back to the time when we were actually punished. So we failed financial fair play, 2014, we, we suffered the fine and the, the, the transfer cap uh, and the um, number of players we could have in our Champions League squad. That's all gone. So since then we've been compliant with financial fair play. So anyone trying to get the message across that we're still cheat cheating is the in word being used. We're not. We're compliant with financial fair play. The, the one problem, problem, the one potential problem we might have is that financial fair play, rightly or wrongly, stops owners putting too much money into clubs. So you can only put a certain amount in over a certain period, very small amount, which is a bit, you can take as much debt as you like. You know, you can go, Spurs are about to take on a debt of about 650 million. No problem with that from UEFA's point of view, but Sheikh Mansour puts 30 million quid in and, it, and it's kind of alarm bells. Doesn't that defy the object of what Absolutely. it was originally set out to do? Absolutely defies the objective. The whole point of financial fair play was to wean clubs off debt, in theory. But of course, it got we, we know it got hijacked along the way. The usual suspects, uh, you know, Real Madrid have had their sweetheart deals with the Spanish government, United... Um, all the, the usual suspects with, with, with uh, big debts, uh, the cartel, the old G14, they've all come along and they've said, no, 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 we don't want the get get rid of the, quietly get rid of the debt. I think Platini's intentions were quite sound initially, but of course these things get, get twisted over time. But So financial fair play is where it is um, and it doesn't allow owner investment. Now, the one potential fly in the ointment we've got is... Uh, if, you've put, if you've been reading these uh, De Spiegel articles, is that Etihad haven't been paying the bulk of the money they're supposed to have been paying. So, for example, if they've been paying us uh, 50 million a year, for example, only 10 million has actually been coming from them, and the other 40 million's coming from somewhere else. 
Now, the, the potential problem we may have is that 40 million's come out of Sheikh Mansour's pocket. He's basically getting around the rules by investing his funds that way. But I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think they could... Well, good luck to UEFA for tying, tying them down to that, actually proving that. But I think... And one of the emails that got highlighted, and this is a very common misconception among some of the journalists and people... It said, His Highness will provide alternative sources of funds. So we, we've got agreements with some of the Abu Dhabi companies and they're paying us X amount. And His Highness will provide alternative sources of funds for the rest of it. Now, what pe people think that Sheikh Mansour, it's not. When people in Abu Dhabi talk about His Highness, they're talking about Sheikh Mansour bin Zayed, who's the Crown Prince, the Emir. Because anyone else, if, if they were talking about Sheikh Mansour, they would say, His Highness Sheikh Mansour bin Zayed. So when they talk about His Highness without any qualification, it's Sheikh Mohammed. He's the the ruler of Ab, de facto ruler of Abu Dhabi. He's basically the chairman of all these companies of Etihad and um, Arbar. Or I think that they're all part of this Mubadala company, which Khaldun uh, Mubarak is chief executive of. So he's the he's the power in Abu Dhabi. And w when it says His Highness will arrange alternative sources, that could well be from um, central sources in Abu Dhabi rather than Sheikh Mansour's pocket. So unless UEFA can prove beyond doubt that the money's coming out of Sheikh Mansour's pocket as the owner, then they haven't got, they haven't got a case, basically. Well, um, I referred to Colin as the Yoda of, um, of FFP a little bit earlier. Uh, somebody else who, who knows a thing or two about it as well, he's uh, a regular in the studio, uh, our, our Blue Moon Rising colleague, I'm going to call him. Is that all right? Are we happy with that? Uh, we've got Sam Lee from uh, Gold.com. Good evening, Sam. How are you? Hello, mate. Yeah, the Darth Vader of FFP. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the Grim Reaper, you know. So, so Colin just there, just to kind of explain a little bit more in detail. Benny, what's your thoughts? I mean, is, I mean, very generic question. I mean, but is, in your opinion, FFP something that we need to be as City fans concerned about? No, it's similar, really. Um, obviously, Colin's given a great explanation of for anyone who wasn't aware. Um, and I mean, the likelihood is, at the end of the day, nothing. Probably, I mean, nothing's going to come of it. Whether it, whether something should come of it or not, it's probably a different issue that we could talk about for hours. That depends on which side of the fence you're on. But yeah, in terms of UEFA investigating it, I think there was a there was a case very recently, last month. I think UEFA wanted to reinvestigate uh, an old settlement they'd reached with Galatasaray, and obviously, as Colin said, there was a settlement with City in 2014, which was the the 50 million um, fine and the squad size reduction in European competition. So that was a settlement. Um, and Galatasaray took UEFA to court, to the Court of Arbitration for Sport, and said, um, we don't think this is right. You shouldn't be able to look into this again. And CAS actually ruled with Galatasaray. So Galatasaray won. So in terms of legal precedence, and this is all very important, because, you know, I'm, I myself, I'm not an expert on FFP or, or this kind of thing, but I've spoken to a lot of experts in the the process of my reporting, and they were all talking about, you know, the precedence for it. So the fact that Cass ruled that UEFA couldn't investigate old cases only last month, that's, that's pretty big. So even if they wanted to go back, they probably won't be able to. Um, the other side of it is, in terms of complying with FFP, yeah, City have been, if they wanted, again, to look back at not just 2014, but recent years, they would again struggle with with that based on what was in court last week or last month. And the other thing is, um, Dennis Spiegel, they didn't actually say it outright, but they kind of alluded to it. 
in, in terms of the talk about the way City pay their wages, there was some kind of jiggery pokery alleged via a third party where effectively the third party kind of pays the wages and it means that the, the losses don't come out of City's books, basically. So they can kind of get away with paying large salaries and, and that not come off. Um, UEFA could maybe investigate that going forward, but, you know, would City, you know, City would comply with that as they have been with FFP over the last few years by submitting their accounts and their audited and all that. You know, there's, there's no guarantees if there was any wrongdoing there, and it's certainly far from assured that there is, that City would actually comply with that. And there's, I mean, there's so many other things that we could go into in terms of precedence and all this, but the long and the short of it is, I'm not sure that anything's actually going to happen regarding this. And if it did, it, it obviously would be a ban from European competition um, rather than a transfer ban, because um, the transfer ban is something separate altogether. And, and City, obviously, cur- well, currently over the last few years, I mean, commercially are a different animal to the one that, uh, you know, the club that was taken over originally. So so when we look at, for instance, the, the latest deal, the 650 te- million 10-year deal with Puma, ha- yeah. how, how much impact does that have in terms of our, you know, our standing within financial fair play? And, you know, just out of interest, just to get your thoughts, how is that? Because I know it's divided between four clubs, the City being one of them, four clubs within the group. You know, have you got any idea of how that, you know, obviously I'm guessing the vast majority will be accounted for under yeah. City's books. But have you got any detail behind that, Sam, or how, that, how that'll work? No, this is something we were trying to find out before the, the deal was announced last week and some of my colleagues interviewed Ferran Torriano. But as far as I'm aware, you know, that how the actual split is divided up. That hasn't been made public, and I don't think it will be. But I think the off-the-record guidance is that, yeah, well, as you say, City get the majority of it, as, as you would imagine, because in, in, in complete fairness, City are the main pull there. Obviously, Puma would go, oh, yeah, we can, all, we can also sell these shirts. But obviously, in America, they can't because there's a, the NIS deal with Adidas, so that can't be broken up. So there's, there's not an awful lot to be gained from Puma's point of view other than selling a load of City shirts. So, yeah, City will get the majority of that. And in terms of their standing with FFP, yeah, this is worth a lot more than, than the old deal was. And, you know, this, I mean, this one, you would imagine it's kind of inscrutable. The, the, the problems that a lot of people have with City and FFP are that they're Middle Eastern sponsors that have got some link to the club's owners. But obviously this one, it certainly appears, you know, completely transparent and completely separate to that. And they paid, I think what everybody would accept is the going rate, because that's the other um, thing that's levelled at City is that all these sponsorship deals uh, are trumped up. But, you know, this this isn't the biggest sponsorship deal ever. It's not as big as the one United have got with Adidas, for example. But it's still very big and it will, you know, contribute a lot of money towards what City are trying to do. And obviously, talking through FFP and all the headlines, and whilst we can say all that they haven't got anything on City and it's probably all going to be fine, um, do you think the club are worried? I don't think so. I mean, part of part of the whole Des Beagle thing in the first place and part of the whole outrage that a lot of people had towards City was the fact that... Um, Khaldun al-Mubarak and some of the lawyers were kind of, you know, threatening UEFA when it came to the settlement, which I'm led to believe is fairly normal, to be fair, you know, it's a negotiation. But they were saying, look, if if you do this, we'll take you to court. And 
and you know, I think there's some degree of confidence there that FFP wouldn't stand up because it's non-competitive and you know it, it restricts competition and, and all this kind of thing. But again, having spoken to the, the experts, I don't think I don't think that's actually likely. Or at least there's a there's a decent chance that FFP would stand up in court. But no, I don't I don't think City are, are overly worried because again. And the other side of it is the UEFA want a big team out, out of the Champions League. Um, obviously, you know, there's probably City fans saying, well, UEFA don't regard City as they do Bayern Munich, United, Real Madrid, clubs like that. But, yeah, that, that is a big part of it. And I, I, I'm not sure City are, are that worried about this particular element. Maybe they are a bit more with the FIFA and the transfer ban stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of UEFA, Sam, I think... Mm. Um, I don't think they've any interest in taking us on, to be honest. Um, because but it'll be it, long and costly, it, and yeah. It, well, if it came to court, the interesting <laughs> thing, if it came to court, people don't realise. Obviously, these documents have been leaked. Uh, there's something that they've been hacked, stolen. Um, so, so I don't think that they're admissible in a court of law as they stand. If we were to take UEFA to court, obviously we'd have to put all those documents on the table. But UEFA would have to do the same thing. So UEFA mm. would have to provide a load of documentation on our lawyers' demands. Uh, and I suspect they don't want some of that to come to light. So I don't think the UEFA are interested in taking this forward and are quietly hoping it all goes away. Perhaps so. Although in, in terms of the admissibility of that evidence, whether it's hacked or stolen, the, the, the lawyers I spoke to and the sports, sports law experts I spoke to, one of which was involved in AC Milan's fight against FFP or their sanction regarding FFP at CAS last year, they all, they all thought with all the all things considered, it probably would be admissible if it came to it. But like you say, it does go back to kind of the appetite of UEFA to actually get into all of that. No, I, I don't think UEFA have got the political. And another thing has just um, popped into my head. I had a, a, a note from one of my contacts this morning that the Dupont case um, has been heard again in Belgium. There's nothing been, uh, not much been said on the news. And I could only find one piece in a Belgian newspaper which mentioned it. But, but the, the guy close to the case has told me that there were, it's passed, and, passed backwards and forwards between Belgium and the European Court. Uh, and people yeah. thought it had been kicked out, but the European Court of Justice had said, no, it's not a matter for us to rule on, it's a matter yeah, for the Belgian right. Court. So the Belgian Court has heard it. There has been a hearing. It's all to do with, uh, tied up with third-party ownership, but uh, financial fair play has apparently taken precedence over TPO. And the judge has heard it, and apparently uh, Michel Dupont is quietly confident um, that things have gone well. So, uh, you know, watch this space, basically. Yeah, another one to keep an eye on then, I suppose. That's obviously the agent who initially, or was he, he was taking UEFA to court initially on the grounds that FFP is non-competitive, but he yeah. kind of got thrown out because, yeah, Cass said that this isn't one for us. And also, I think, do they doubt how legitimate his claim was? Because it doesn't affect agents, it affects clubs clubs and players more. But yeah, so if, that's, if that is being reheard, then, then that's one to keep an eye on as well. But if, And again, if that is the case, then the, that would be another precedent on City side. I think probably the main one is this, this Galatasaray one that you can't reopen the old cases. Um, as, as much as I'm enjoying this boys we are going to have to very very quickly go through a break and I am glad you're not too worried about the money because after the break we're going to be talking how City are going to spend lots more of it don't go anywhere right back here to XS Manchester and the Manchester City Football Social Manchester City Football Social subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show
This is Excess Manchester. Making the right hire is a lot of little things that really add up. How do I know I've made a great hire? I listen for feedback. Plus six points. I'll hear Tony the team couldn't be happier. Plus ten points. Or Tony the team let the air out of your tyres. Minus twenty points. Then someone said Tony, try Indeed. Plus thirty points. Millions of great candidates worldwide visit Indeed every day. And screener questions help me create my shortlist of applicants fast. Post your job today at Indeed.com. Indeed, the world's number one job site. Source.com score total visits. Access Manchester Travel with FOW.co.uk. Choose from over 1,000 family-friendly used cars. The M60 is looking fairly good, uh, not too bad on either side. Now, uh, there is an accident on the M62 westbound just after junction 20 for uh, Rochdale, so if you're trying to get up to the A627M, it's that accident, sorry, that junction there where the accident is. Late through the outside lane closed on the Manchester bound side. Um, sketchy details, that's why I probably sound a little bit unsure about what's going on here because we're getting it from Twitter, I believe, some of the information, so we're trying to get some more official information from the police on that one. Um, it's certainly looking busy anyway, and it's busy coming into Manchester on Chester Road. It's congested uh, coming up to Mancunion Way, the Man- Union Way is busy, slow moving around the road west towards Trinity Way. Regent Road coming in through Salford, busy into Manchester. If heading as far as Haydock Islands, um, the M6 Junction 23, the motorway's all right, but uh, East Lancaster Road across there still partially blocked on both sides by an accident. That's the latest. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's LinkedIn.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. We are the Manchester Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. Give us a call on 0345 7625. Give us a text on 87711 or even tweet at MCR Football Social. I'm here with three legends. I'm here with Danny Jackson, Alex and I'm here with Colin Savage. Now, this is my favourite part of the show, straight back into the football. And uh, as a kid, you used to always get excited at those two words when you heard your club had a war chest. You knew you were going out to splash the cash. And in recent times, Manchester City have been able to do that far more so than they used to be able to do. Now, Pep was talking about three or four players coming in this summer. And, you know, with our track record over the last few years, you know they're going to be good. I'm also thinking that we should be strengthening. What areas should we be... Should we investing should I say and uh, we put it out on Twitter today and there was quite a few good suggestions that came back now Danny out of all those names that sort of uh, were flying around Twitter that might be coming to our club in the summer which one caught your eye 
Well, there's a few. I, um, I've written down who I'd like to see uh, in the blue shirt next season. And looking at some of the, uh, the, the responses on Twitter, a lot of them are, are absolutely on my wavelength. Well, um, like for, me, for me, Aaron Wan-Bissaka from, um, from Palace, he's just a, a Rolls-Royce. He's a future quality. Quali- I mean, he's already got, is it the most um, uh, tackles won uh, this season in Europe? You know, this is an 18, 19-year-old kid. Bags of pace. I remember seeing him uh, when Palace beat us at home and was just unbelievably impressed by him. I mean, what a, what a player. Obviously, we're going to have to start, I mean, it hurts to say, don't it? We're going to have to start looking, you know, for a Ferner replacement at some time. Indeed. Uh, I, uh, I'm i a big fan of Ondembele from, from Lyon. I think we watched him in the Champions League against us. I thought he ran the show. I thought he was absolutely sublime. And somebody who, for me, would fit into that mould of, of Fernandinho. And I'm going to be boring and, and throw another name into the mix um, Ben Chilwell from, from Leicester I think we're definitely going to be looking at another left back I mean Benjamin Mendy's injury record obviously as it, as it is, is is a bit concerning so someone like Chilwell who, who consistently plays but looking on looking at some of the responses on here a lot of them names have been have been mentioned we've got uh, at, at Hat Hero he's got Wambasaka Chilwell Delight on Dambele uh, we've got um, uh, Landegren who's gone with Undembele Dembélé, Chilwell, Delict, and Ua. Uh, then we've got others, Delict, Non-Dembélé, uh, non Chilwell, Jovic, um, Maguire, Kante, Royce, and Sean Golter from John Walker <laughs> underscore 1986. Now, that, bring the goat back. What do you reckon about that? But, but I mean, there's some common names there, Alex. Do, do any of them stick out for you? Have you got, have you got some new ones to throw into there's the mix? A few. I've got a couple of new ones. I've got a few ones. Um, uh, there's, yeah, Undombele, like you say, he's the one that keeps popping up every few weeks as they, um, we keep hearing more things about him coming out of France and um, he's a really exciting player, youth on his side. Um, looking to the Premier League, it, it might seem a little bit, um, oh, I don't know, like the popular choice flavour of the month, but uh, Declan Rice. Oh, he's my man. Decent. A really exciting midfield player, and he's got a little bit of versatility in his locker. And um, these players, young English players, have half a season, and they come up when they're going to be the next best thing. And then they get to sort of twenty three, twenty four, and we sort of realise we all got excited a little bit too quickly. But it does feel like he's been around for a little while now, doing it every week for West Ham in the Premier League. I think it might be worth a, worth a punt, Colin. You, you're waving yeah, your finger. Um, at the me. other side of the coin is um, because we've got squad limits. We. Uh, for Champions League and um, Premier League, we're allowed 17 foreign players, and that's what we've got currently, including Claudio Bravo, who we don't know. Um, for Premier League, we're allowed eight homegrown players generally. Champions League, four homegrown, I city grown, and four other association trained players. So if someone's coming in, who's going out? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I'm always a fan of Declan Rice. What I love about him is, he, you know, when the ball comes to him, you can see that sort of silver, the way he looks 360 before he receives the ball. I'm not comparing him to silver, by the way, because this is a young kid. I was surprised at how big he is. You know, when I saw him live when he was playing, I was trying to, I was putting the case forward to sign him last summer. There was a really good um, podcast I was listening to, and it was an Irish one, and they were talking about Declan Rice. And they were talking about them. The owners of West Ham said that they were looking forward to the day that he's the captain of England and the captain of West Ham. And they were laughing, saying, mate, he'll be the captain of England and the captain of Manchester City. <laughs> so, but what I did find was, if you look down all these players, there's a common theme. There's a common theme just in position, but there's also that common theme in the names that are cropping up. So I don't know... 
and you're putting two and two together to get five. But I'm feeling that we, we could almost write the players that are coming in. What do you reckon, Danny? Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm still kind of mulling over what what Colin said there. Cause it's all right for us, like getting dead excited. Yeah, we want him, him, and him, and then Colin brings us back down to earth. Who's going out? And I was kind of thinking, who potentially is going out this summer? Because I mean, obviously, that is going to create the space for you know for somebody else to come in, particularly a, a, a foreign player, an overseas player. Uh, Vincent Company, you know, obviously that. There's a lot of a lot of talk around. Maybe he's going to get another year, which pray God he does. Um, but I'm trying to think who would be out out of that door. I mean, uh, the names that I give you there, Colin. I mean, Wambasaka is going to be homegrown. Ben Chilwell would be homegrown. You know, if we're talking Declan Rice as opposed to someone like on Dembele, that's from another the homegrown. League, yeah, but, yeah. From the Premier League point of view, we can have eight homegrown players, whether the City or West Ham or whoever. So who's going out? Right. Who's going out, guys? You know, I'm going to be controversial here. Do you know what I could, we might see the back of Benjamin Mendy? And the, the yeah. reasons I say that, I've, I've got. I know you're looking at me. You're all looking at me, shaking heads, thinking no. But then you think about what he's brought to the team over the last couple of years. It's mainly a Twitter account. And well, look I'm at not, Pogba. He's doing all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no oxygen left in this room then for I the know. intake. Of this <laughs> well, what I would say is. You've got uh, Ben Mendy there, and don't get me wrong, when he's on song and he's playing well, he's one of the best left-backs in the world. But you've got to ask yourself, if Pep's got to invest in a left-back or if he's got to invest sort of emotionally in a left-back to play there and he's never there... What's the point? I can't see it. Well, I can't see Benjamin Mendy going anywhere. Pep's a huge fan of him. He's backed him to bring him in at fifty million pounds. He's not. I mean, you think of it from a commercial perspective. You've got you bought a guy in at fifty million, big wages. He's virtually never pay, played. Then you sell him. Obviously, you're going to have to sell him at a huge loss, and he's still got massive unfilled unfulfilled potential for me so I, I'd be amazed if Ben Mendy was on that I list I don't, I don't think Mendy's going but I think you're right I, I do think Mendy's been a bit of a, a misfit with the squad because as much as I love the guy and he's a huge personality I almost I have my suspicions that um, behind the cameras uh, Pep Guardiola is not a massive fan uh, of Mendy's Twitter account and I think you know he would much rather Mendy put as much work into social media as he did into getting fit and on the training ground and I think that uh, I don't think we will sell him because I think it will be embarrassing for the City Football Group it would be a commercial failure and misgiving and equally we've, we've not had a full season of Mendy to show his worth yet so I think they'll be patient with him Fabian Delft might be yep. one. And as much as I love Delph and his versatility is, I, I do... Where's it, Fabian Delph gone? Exactly. He's just slipped exactly. completely yeah. off the radar, hasn't he? He's not involved in any of the struggling squads. He's training, but he's not in the squad. You know, he's fit, but he's not in the squad. And you wonder, what the is he the guy? He's is signed. he the name? First yeah. name on the list. He signed his uh, exit pass, you know, with those uh, tackles. I remember he, did, he got away with 1-1 one, one week when he could have got a red and he got the... Next week he did exactly the same. And Pep Guardiola must be looking on thinking, I need 11 men on the pitch. I don't need a, a wild card on there. And for all, as much as we love Fabian and, you know, the fun that he brings and the sort of down-to-earth Yorkshireness about him, Pep Guardiola's looking at a bigger picture. And there'll be clubs queuing up Fabian Delph. I love yeah. Fabian Delph. He's my favourite City player, putting that out now. But open up your betting apps right now. Should Leeds United get promoted to the Premier League next year, Joe will be a ready-made captain to go into that squad. And we'd make money field, on it. Leeds. We paid eight million for him. We've had him for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Nothing on the books. We sell him for twenty million. 
nice profit to go into whoever we're buying next. Yeah, and he's still a good age. I mean, he's another yeah, one. Yeah. He's a little bit like Milner, where you feel like he's been around forever, but actually, he's, he's, he's what is he late twenties? So he's still for a midfielder, I guess, in the in the peak of his his powers. So uh, two two names we've got on on Twitter here that just made me laugh. Um, we've got Dan Healis or at Dan Healis uh, put on. To come in, Sancho, Brahim, Messi, and Ondembele. So bringing two of our old players back already. I'm not sure I, uh, I buy into that one too much. Well, it's a model that works well across the city, isn't it? Ooh. <laughs> it's um, it'd be an interesting one, Sancho. But I think that that ship has sailed. If I also, I'm not really sure where Sancho would play at the minute because I would love, uh, based on the news of the last week, I'd love Gareth Bale. I think he's going to be available this summer. It looks like that he's being sort of shown the door at Madrid. I think he's an absolutely wicked player. He's going to be wanting to win something. Uh, he's pro 30 me, this Bale. year, I think, uh, Gareth Bale. So he's got to win something in England before his career ends. I would love Gareth Bale. I don't think it will ever happen. I Stan Collymore today was talking about City should go in. For, I mean, generally, I don't listen to a word Stan Collymore says, but I, quite, I, I kind of thought, That'd be nice. It'd never happen, but that'd be nice. Virgil van Dijk, he's saying, if we win the league this season we, and, and Liverpool don't, we should go in for Virgil van Dijk. <laughs> well, it'd be great for the banter, wouldn't it? Imagine him ball. alongside Laporte, though, boys. <sighs> wow. He's, he's a great player, you know. Uh, he's another one. I couldn't believe the size of him. You know, and he, he is a Rolls-Royce. Again, I don't know how quick he is because his positioning sense is that good. He never gets himself in trouble where he has to make those last-ditch tackles. He just seems to be in the right place at the right time. The new Bobby Moore. Well, captain of England, captain of West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> uh, controversial one for the door. Uh, 28 years old, been uh, immaculate whenever he's played, but can't hold down a starting squ- position in the starting squad. Ilkay Gundogan, I think, uh, is a great player. There were rumours that he wasn't happy earlier in the season. You think if one of the big German clubs came in for him, or even, say... You know, an Arsenal or a Tottenham, who are both looking for sort of central midfield players in the summer, um, can say, "Look, you could come and be a starting player." You know, I think Gundogan would be a, would be a great buy for so many clubs around the world. Easy. And Pep seems to not be too confident about playing him every week. Is he only twenty eight? Yeah, he's twenty eight. <laughs> he he's hold, he he's holding out on his contract. Yeah, he's holding out on his contract, isn't he? And I think we'll be ruthless if if he's not signing this summer. He's yeah. out. Yeah, you've got to do that. You've got to look after the club. I mean, as much as we're fans of various different players, as Alex said, Fabian Delph, uh, you've got to look... Ultimately, we're Manchester City fans. We're not Fabian Delph fans, if you know what I mean. Well, uh, that debate will rumble on long into the night, I'm sure, all over Manchester. But for us, the hour is over, boys. It has flown by. So uh, thank you uh, to Alex. Thanks to Colin. Thanks to Walter. Thanks to Sam Lee, who joined us as well. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.